smell <laughs> smell my finger <laughs> APFM, a podcast for men, episode 60 something. Is it? And I don't care anymore. Yeah. Is it 60 something now? I mean, it's 30 ish free ones and 30 ish premium ones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. We're definitely in and around the 60 episodes mark. Cool. How do we feel? We made it this far. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Apparently. Because we moved over to Acast now. We were using Podbean before and I've yeah. shifted shifted us over to Acast because it just seemed to be better. It's a better sort of hosting thing. Um, so I can cancel the Podbean subscription now? Not yet because okay. you have to wait for all the transfer to kind of come over and they recommend waiting like a week or two. All right, cool, because I just renewed it and I would be very annoyed if I didn't need to do that. Okay. Yeah, they recommend keeping it just while all the transfer comes over, but... Our last episode that I posted on Thursday, because I forgot to do it on Tuesday, uh, has 80%, I think, listenership from Belgium, or at least like recently we've had an 80% listenership from Belgium. Somebody Belgium. from Somebody from Belgium, Brussels specifically, has been listening to us a lot. Either oh one God, or lots Brussels. of people. You know what goes on in Brussels? We had on the 10th of August, we had like... 29 listeners. Did they have a terrorism attack recently? Did they? Um, no, I'm just thinking of the EU, like oh. the, the government. Well, there you go. There's an idea for your next terrorism attack, Brussels. No. Jesus. No. <laughs> and if it happens now, we know it's our 80% listenership in Brussels. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened there, but thank you. Brussels for listening to us. Much appreciated. Also, what would you what would you do if, if somebody did a terrorism and they named you as the guy that inspired them? As the inspiration? Yeah. I mean, no one seems to get in trouble for that. So yeah. No. I mean people like people call you out. But unless you're inciting it. It might be trickier here because Australia doesn't have freedom of speech laws that protect people like Ben Shapiro who've been named by like mass shooters and stuff like that. That's so it, very true. It might be harder to get away with um, arguably planting those seeds in our country. But you could just name anybody. Like if you were, if I were a terrorist, not that I am, but if I was in a hypothetical universe, uh, I would just name people that I don't like as being my inspiration to get them in trouble. Right. How's that? Okay. Well, How reason is this Ben Shapiro clip that you've got up? Is he still doing the beard? He's got a stubble now. Um, this is two months old. He looks arguably better with mm, a beard, nah, but like. It's not good. Uh, but I think it just makes him seem less like a whiny baby. I mean, he's still a whiny baby, but the beard makes him seem less like a whiny baby. And maybe that's what he was going for. Well, he is very baby faced. He in is. In general. But you are too. 
you also have baby face. That's true. Beards and, are in now. Yeah, and you hide it. You hide your baby face with a beard. The moment you shave your beard off, it's like, whoa, who's this baby that just entered the room? Well, the plan is to have the beard until my late 30s, and then when I turn 40, shave the beard, and then I it takes 10 years off. I'm back at my 30s. Yeah, I guess. That's People keep telling me I look like I'm in my mid-20s. No, actually, they keep telling me that they think that I'm in my mid-20s, so I don't know if that's because I look like that. Or if I just you, you seem just act like that, immature or something. I that don't was, know. That was the same for me though. At my last job, a lot of people were like, "30? You're not in your 30s." I was like, "I most certainly am." They're like, "I didn't think you were older than like 24, 25." I was like, "Well, that's very nice of you, but also no." People Lord, overestimate no. my age. Yeah, but that's because of the beard now. Yeah, I'm fine with it. And also because. In those circles, you act more mature than you actually are. Yeah, I'm very good at pretending to be a mature, responsible adult. Yeah, that's how you got me. You pretended to be mature and then I got to know you and was like, oh, no, this is this is not what I thought it was at all. Yeah. And it was... Get it was, farted on. It was too late to leave. So, yeah. I don't okay. have the Dave, uh, Dave Chappelle gotcha bitch oh, drop yet. Oh, that's disappointing have you ever had that dylan where you've had a girl who was like i thought you were this and turns out you're not nah. no so you've never gone out with a girl that was like uh you know you were presenting yourself a certain way not, maybe not intentionally misleading but like she got an impression that you were one way and then you started dating for a while and she's like actually nah no nah, usually it's me that realizes the woman isn't what i thought they were uh Mm. Is that because you uh, or you date women who are also bipolar? So when they change, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Mm, no, no. Okay, good joke though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, it, there's definitely both sides of that though. Like, I probably was not exactly what you expected. When I mean, we no started one, dating. No one is to a degree, especially when you meet at work. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you get to know each other on, on certain terms and then you, you know, you, you change as people over however many years, like you and I have been going out for like three ish years now. Yeah. Um, this motherfucker doesn't know the anniversary. Yeah. You probably don't know the anniversary. I know where to find it. <laughs> where? I know where it's written down. Where is it written down? Uh, it's in the calendar, I think. Is it? Or it might be on our Facebook page. I can't remember. Is it? It's somewhere. I'm, okay. I, sh I saw it a while ago and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to remember that. Do you know what date we got engaged? Uh, that's a very good question. <laughs> we got engaged this year yeah, and you don't remember. I don't know the date. Wow. I don't know the I, listen, I'm bad with dates. I mean, it's the same date as the eclipse, so surely that should help you. No, I just know that it was the same date as the eclipse. Wow. I don't remember the specific date. 20th of April. Okay. 20th of April. Yeah. I'm bad. Listen, dude, I have ADHD. I'm bad with dates. I remember the vibe. Just remember 2423. 2423. Because it was the 20th of April, 2023. So 2423. Oh, so 2423. 20 okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, we've, we've narrowed that down. There you go. So what's been going on? What have we been up to? Yeah. What have you been up to, Dylan? Fill us in on your so life. Barbie this morning. Oh, nice. did you? Nice. How was it? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah? It's fine. Did you I, feel threatened as a man? 
uh, I did enjoy thinking about, like, you know, every now and then I would think about what dweebs like Ben Shapiro would be seething about or Stephen Crowder when they watched it because I feel like, for better or worse, ideologically, it's a little bit difficult to pin down. Is um, it? I don't, I, th- I don't know. It, it felt pretty cut and dry to me. I think that, so first of all, I feel like it was it was good in that it was a unique film experience, like the 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 way that it was the way that it was done, the production of it was like it, it it felt like its own thing. I didn't feel like I was watching one of many other movies. Like we watched Mission Impossible recently, and I felt like even though it's Tom Cruise doing the Tom Cruise things, that movie was the most generic action movie mission impossible that i've seen so far yeah it felt like a lot of other movies in in certain ways this didn't feel like anything else um it was definitely baby's first feminism a lot of the time which is not necessarily a bad thing when there's a lot of people who aren't even on that page yet you know if it if it takes like a fun glossy you know margot robbie led movie with some obvious kind of themes to get people on the, on the bandwagon. That's okay. Sometimes it was like a bit like preachy, not preachy, just like, just dumb. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like a very dumb version of, uh, anti-patriarchy, anti-capitalism, anti-consumerism kind of thought. Um, every now and then they did something interesting, like when, Ken is in the real world and he tries to get all those jobs and he like, it would have been too easy for him to just be very successful off the strength of being a man as he thought he would. Um, he wasn't like, he couldn't get jobs cause he needed degrees and stuff like that. And then, you know, that guy says to him, Oh, like we still do patriarchy, but we're just, you know, better at hiding it now. Like that was when it kind of like smartened up its rhetoric a little bit yeah, because it, it could have gone the dumb route and have him like, be very successful off being a man. So it, it did a good job at like, it starts, I guess it starts off with like, well not starts off, but prior to that, it has a more kind of overt feminist message. Then it refines it a little bit when, when they enter the real world. I think that it really fell apart in the third act when they go back to the Barbie world. Yeah. It didn't really know how to end it. No, that's the thing. It didn't know how to end. And my feeling is that's because the appropriate ending is that shit isn't fixed and it like, it's not a happy ending because, but you you can't can't do that. You You can, if you want to make a bold film, but if you want to make a happy film, then you have to try and solve the problem of patriarchy in the film, knowing full well, that problem is not solved outside of the film. But you can't make that kind of film that is also a blockbuster film, which is what they're also trying to achieve. So that like, even though it's not the same as all of the other cookie cutter MCU crap we've been seeing lately, it still needs to fit the the parameters of that sort of story arc. It needs to be a satisfying movie going experience for the average person. Yeah, absolutely. In order for it to, to make money and turn a profit, which is what film the film industry is ultimately about like there is an art element to it but if you're talking about hollywood terms it needs to 
uh, it needs to either break even or make more than what it, it costs needs to make. To more than break even. Well, I mean, that's the that's the baseline. If you, I mean, if you break even, that's kind of like a, that's a you failure. Cut, uh, it is, but it's a cut your losses and run kind of thing. But if you like, you want it to exceed that, obviously. And in order for it to do that, like you were saying, it needs to have that that sort of happy ending or you need to, as an audience, feel like things are resolved. I feel like if you break even, even if your movie didn't lose money, you still cost everyone money because how much is how much more revenue could Margot Robbie be generating and something else in the two to three years or however long it took to make that movie. So yeah. even breaking even, it's there's other losses like the, the ripple effect of that. Um, you're costing the industry money. And mm. good luck working again if you make movies that break even. I mean, yeah. The, so most of the time they only tend to report on films. Like if it does badly, they report on like how badly it didn't uh, like uh, meet its budget. But most of the time films that break even, you're right, it's not good. But they tend not to report on them because it's kind of like a, well, like we didn't lose a, a tragic amount of money and we didn't make money. We just kind of didn't do well so they just kind of they don't tend to report on any of that um but i feel like barbie is definitely doing quite well domestic it made 502 million dollars so i think that they um yeah in the third act they had set themselves up with the like multiple not not really multiple plot lines but multiple elements of the plot so the mother daughter relationship which by the way a casting director definitely asked for an AOC type for yeah. that mom um we want AOC who can act basically basically uh so there's that plot line and then the Mattel guys trying to get them and the Ken thing and like and then, yeah, like uh, those are the, the plot aspects that they had to resolve. But the main question is, yeah, where do you leave on the overarching message of the film, which is challenging patriarchy, where do women fit in the world, where does Barbie as a concept fit in the world and what does it mean? Like the the deeper kind of questions that were up in the air that had to be resolved in the third act. And I feel like they kind of took a bit of an easy way out um, they avoided, like, for example, I felt like it was a missed opportunity with the vote at the end where they tricked the Kens to not going to the courthouse and they mm -hmm. had the vote without them. I felt like what should have happened was the Kens should have stormed the courthouse and then there should have been some kind of conflict I don't know, in fucking song form, I don't care, but something where the Barbies convince the Kens or the Kens have a change of heart rather than the message be the only way to overcome patriarchy is to, is to be box sneaky. men out yeah. and like uh, diplomatically disenfranchise them. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm sure some radical feminists want because women were disenfranchised and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not sure that's the message they were actually trying to convey. But that is the way that they achieved it in the movie. They boxed the Kens out and did the vote without them. Yeah. And then it would just happen to be that the Ryan Gosling Ken really didn't like being in charge anyway. So he gave up. Also, I think it does. Which is not reflective of men in power. No, but also I think it, it has weird undertones as well. Just hearing you talk about that, it has weird undertones as well of like 
women being conniving and sneaky in the way that they, you know, grab power, you know, because there's always that whole stereotype of, you know, women uh, amongst each other, like when they interact with one another, it's always like they gossip about one another and they emotionally tear one another down or they spread secrets about one another. The the way in which they, like, the way in which they carried out their plan which was to trick all of the Kens into thinking they were in some kind of relationship setting only to then deliberately uh, leverage jealousy, like just, yeah, doing, as you say, conniving sort of like bitch shit that that is what kind of MRA and red pill guys think that women do. They use men, they lie to men, they don't, they don't like men are the ones that are really like invested emotionally and, and it's women who are cold hearted. Like yeah. they did the things that the MRA crowd or the red pill crowd claim that women do in order to get by in the film. And I understand that that is a whole sort of like, we'll just play up to our stereotypes in order to be able to get what we want or achieve the goal that we want. But at the same time, it's like- they didn't set that up. They didn't set it up. That's the, you're right. They didn't set that sort of thing up really. And for how blunt they were about a lot of the politics. So it's not a very nuanced film, which is fine. It doesn't need to be. Mission Impossible wasn't fucking nuanced either. I enjoyed that. Um, But for, if you're going to go with a film that's very overt about its- themes and about its politics then when you do something like what they did uh that that plan that they carried out then yeah you make it kind of obvious like someone literally has to say men think that we're blah 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 blah, blah. well let's be blah, blah. and yeah. like that's very on the nose and kind of tacky but if you don't do it you're leaving this ambiguity there around like the solution and the solution yeah. is important because you spent two acts building up the problem and now you're meant to be solving it and again, the difficulty of solving it in a way where um, it's not solved in the real world. Yeah. And there's a disconnect between what they're going to present there and what's in the real world, unless they go for a realistic and therefore unsatisfying, but maybe motivating kind of ending, but really something that's beyond the scope of the film that they're trying to make. They, they weren't going to do that. No. So, yeah, I think it, I enjoyed it. I don't know if I watch it again. Maybe there's, you know, other movies that, I want to watch that are new and there are other movies that I've seen recently that I already want to rewatch and I'm not feeling like Barbie's one of them, but I think it was good. And yeah, it is funny to think how many people it's upsetting while doing extremely well, because I was thinking about this the other day before I even saw it, the movies that tend to upset people, like think about like, Look at what Lady Ghostbusters did because I don't think that yeah. movie did very well. It didn't. It didn't do very well. And, but and I think- that that empowered the right wing people to be like, "See, this is what happens when you try and cram work politics into movies and make it all about women. People don't like it. The movie going audience doesn't like it." But it wasn't that. It was that it was very poorly written and the storyline no, was no, terrible. I, I, I agree. I'm not saying it failed because of that, but I'm saying the fact that it failed mm-hmm. meant that people could pin it on the politics, whereas this actually has politics that the Ghostbusters movie didn't have. It just had women in it. Yeah. Which I guess is an inherently political decision. I think you're naive if you don't think that. But it wasn't a inherently political movie and it did pretty poor. It, it didn't completely yeah. bomb, but it didn't do that well and that gave people enough like – 
opportunity to to blame it on the the women factor, whereas Barbie is doing extremely well. So where does that leave all these fucking cringe conservatives? Like clearly there is a market for that if it's done well. Yeah. So it made uh, only two hundred and ninety nine million worldwide off a budget of one hundred and forty four million. So it ju- it just profited. Yeah. Just. Yeah. And even then, like that's not great. It's not probably enough Whereas, to be like yeah it doesn't say here where the, what barbie's budget was but uh, the it, worldwide it's made a billion dollars yeah over a billion dollars so it's it's exceeded its budget but the honestly the thing i think i enjoyed the most about barbie was the production design it was amazing like just how much attention to detail had gone into all of the the sets and the props and the costumes and how they had callbacks to like very specific weird collections that barbie had or they had done certain lines of barbies that they had done and discontinued it was really great to see all of that like i I really liked that attention to detail i thought that was good also when they're like uh, roller skating in LA, like they finally get to LA. That skating outfit, I'm pretty sure I had a Barbie that had that outfit. I'm pretty sure I owned that Barbie at one point and was just like, this is like, it's wild to see it. I think there's another missed opportunity where, like, so this, they, they, they reference an example where someone else left the Barbie world, the skipper left the Barbie world and went to the real world. But this is the only example where they, they bring up that the Barbies are being played with by someone and that's what's seeping into them. And you could have done more with that kind of two-way relationship. So, like, for example, what happens when all the Kens rebel and does that start affecting the boys that are playing with them? Like, you can explore that, like, that because part of the big question of the movie was how good and how beneficial and how meaningful has Barbie been as a brand and as a icon because Margot Robbie's Barbie felt like they, you know, solved patriarchy and then they go to the real world and the, the young girl says you're everything that's, you know, you set us back basically. You're everything that's wrong with like commercialism and patriarchy and things like that. So to see more of like the, more of a rumination on the two-way effect. So, like, what what happens, yeah, when the – just as an example, when the Kens change, do the boys that start playing with them, they start sort of acting out in some kind of way or they start changing or – I don't know. I I feel like there was – it was very surface level and, again, the politics are very baby's first anti-capitalism. Yeah, and I think the whole, like, uh, kids playing with Barbies and that being how the Barbie world is changing, like, I like that as a concept, but honestly I think there was just too many cooks and there was too many storylines, and if they tried to explore more of that, it would have really op- overcomplicated, I think, a lot of what they were trying to achieve. Whereas that- if they, But if they took – honestly, I think if they took that element out, it would have been – better it would have streamlined things and meant that they could have paid more attention to stuff the part where it's like playing with barbies like uh, so obviously there's a girl that isn't playing with a barbie anymore remove the whole mother-daughter relationship no don't remove the mother-daughter relationship that they're linked to the story is that the mother is playing with the barbie and she's sad and that's why barbie's sad and that's what triggers her to leave the Barbie world in the first place. I just think there could have been another way to do that without having that because, like you said, that then opens the door to, I think, too much of 
a, a universe that isn't explored and isn't touched on. And it's like, well, what's happening here then? It's almost like they dropped that, like they dangled it and used it in order to create that connection yeah, and then you, didn't explore could, it any further. You could probably find a way to just justify her, like starting to have these existential crises and being told to figure it out. She needs to go to the real world and find herself. And there didn't even have to be a mother daughter thing to begin with. Beyond that, I think the whole Mattel company thing was a waste of time. I don't think that, mm. that Will Ferrell and his his group really. He was great though. Will Ferrell being Will yeah, Ferrell who, was great. Who gives a shit? Like that's just like it's it's he's not good enough to make that character matter or to make any of the things that they do matter, which is just run around. Like as antagonists, think of them as antagonists in the film. They were and they weren't. That's it's the problem. It's not clear what their intentions are. Yeah. It's not clear are they evil or like good, in, like have well-intentioned but uh, they're just you know, a going force a, of nature. Going about it in the wrong way. Do they represent and embody the patriarchy yeah, right. or it was, not? It wasn't really clear about what. But you kind of got vague ideas of what their motives were. But when it came to the end, well, the when problem, they finally reached the Barbie land, there was no kind of stakes. Like they the, they weren't the problem a, a is force. The movie is still made by Mattel. Yeah. So they're not going to depict their corporate board as being terrible people. At worst, they're going to show them as being a little bit misguided. Yeah. They're not going to show them as being the embodiment of patriarchal capitalism, which if they're going to be included in the film is what makes the most sense that they're yeah. the final boss of this battle against patriarchy that Barbie is sort of embarking on. Um, but as they were in the movie, they didn't really do a whole lot. And however funny Will Ferrell is or whatever, it's like these, they don't really need to be there. I think, yeah. um, I think the, the problem I had with the ending is that it just, so the the, pre- the premise of the movie is basically like Barbie Land is the opposite of the uh, stereotype of the real world. So like everything is patriarchal in the real world. Everything is, let's say, matriarchal in Barbie Land or whatever. And it feels like the ending was just we're going a little bit closer to uh, a more realistic representation of the real world, but it doesn't actually like fix any of the problems. So- yeah, because it said soon Ken's will have as much power in Barbie world as women have in the real world, which is a little bit tongue in cheek. And that was one of the better things that was done in the third act was to draw that comparison of why, why Ken's don't have equal rights. They didn't have someone on the Supreme court when they asked for it and that kind of thing. Like if you were going to be, I think if you were going to be smart about it, you could say that like, if you got this hyper feminist, uh, you know, alternate reality where everything is just pro woman and, and men are basically like second class citizens or whatever, that that would also be bad and unjust. It could, you could have a sort of dual critique of like super rad femme stuff while also still criticizing, uh, normal, uh, patriarchal power structures. And like, you could kind of, it's kind of like dumb and centrist to be like, you know, and then they figure it out and everything's okay. You could either go super realistic, like what you were saying, where things aren't fixed and it's a bit of a sad ending, or you could just go with this, maybe a more idealistic. Or even like think about the ending of the first Matrix. Yeah, where like Neo goes, he answers the phone, and he's like, "I'm right. going to free all of these people," and right, he right, flies right, right, off, right. and it's like it's not resolved. 
there's plenty of people still stuck in the matrix at the end. Just think of the first matrix. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of people stuck in the matrix at the end of it. He's beaten the bad guys, but they're not all gone. He's literally talking to them on the phone. So there's these powers that be are still out there, but he's ready. He's determined. He flies off and then fucking rage against the machine players. Like that's a great way to have a unresolved ending. That is like thought provoking and kind of like hopeful like motivating, like yeah, let's 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 free our minds, let's unplug, man, and let's unplug other people. What speaking, are- well, speaking of the Matrix, just cutting in here, I was recently watching. I don't know if either of you know who Charlie is so cool, like from YouTube. Uh, recently transitioned over to uh, being female, and so she uh, she was talking about how there were a lot of things that resonate uh, resonated with her as like a, a child or a teenager and were kind of like subtle hints to themselves to be like, actually, I'm, I might be trans. And the matrix for them was one of them and finding out that um, like the Wachowski sisters were trans and that the matrix is basically a giant allegory for being trans. That's weak. Do you think? Like watching the matrix and feeling like, Oh wow, this is like making me think that I'm trans is one thing, but then, but just hearing like they're trans and they made the matrix and it's supposed to, you know what I mean? That's not really figuring it out for yourself. That's being told the Wachowskis are trans. They made this movie to be trans, which most people didn't know. No, I'm saying not at that. that time they didn't pick up on it like afterwards. So they watched it. It made them feel like, they really liked the film and then later on in life after their transition were like, oh, this explains why I really liked the film. So the, uh, the, I mean, I don't know. I don't know this person, but that sounds like retconning your own The trans allegory. History. Yeah, the trans allegory does feel like a little bit of a retcon, but I've seen some pretty decent like analysis of it, at the very least like surface level aesthetic things. So one of the things that comes up often is the, the red pill Um the back when that movie was released, um, or maybe not even when it was released, maybe a little bit earlier when the Wachowskis were like growing up, the estrogen pill that you would have given as HRT to trans women was a red pill. So like there's the surface level stuff, but then there's the sort of meta conversation of like the concept of gender is that is the matrix, the concept of like a gender binary and like everybody's not conscious of it but they participate and even protect it and there's people who i guess act as agents to protect the status quo um that's you know but that could be an allegory for a lot of different things as well well, like protecting the status quo of capitalism i think it's it's tenuous that's why it's a good movie is that it's that provocative that it could fit multiple different but to uh, be clear i don't think it's a bad thing or like yeah, there's nothing wrong with identifying with these two creators and their transition and their sort of story. Um, I just, I, I am dubious. <laughs> like, I doubt that it's like really a case of, yeah, that's why The Matrix resonated so much with me. This meaning that pretty much no one had figured out until the people who made it came out and said it, and even now people are still trying to make that make sense. Yeah, that's, that's fair. What, that's what good art should do, though, is be like... Transformative, I guess. Well, it should be thought-provoking enough that it that different people get different meaning out of it. And mm. I think if I think the creators coming out, if and you're saying, trans and you knew that the Matrix was about trans shit before the Wachowski said it, please write into the show. Well, like because it, it 
it may well you you may well exist out there. I think I having I think the 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 original creators coming out and saying no, it was specifically an allegory for being trans. I think that only hurts the final product because now you're connecting it to a single uh, allegorical interpretation. Now it's not a metaphor for all of these different But that doesn't uh, stop things. people from still getting their own still thing can. out I, of it. That's it does, the same as people who, but that's the same as people who write songs and say it meant this to them, but you can still interpret your own meaning yeah, from that song. Yeah, people still play that creepy ass sting song at their weddings. Yeah, exactly. You c- like which one are you talking about? Every, Every breath, breath you take is clearly but, about a stalker. Yeah. Did it did Sting come out and say it was about a stalker? Yes, and he said it's weird that people played it at their weddings. Yeah. Yeah, so the like my my argument my response to that would be that maybe people haven't heard that Sting specifically said that it was about a stalker. I think most people wouldn't care. Well, yeah, yeah I don't know. What I'm saying is that when you as the artist specifically come out and say this is what it was about, when you like explain when you're sort of when you explain the magic trick, it's it stops being cool. It just becomes okay, so that's what that's I about. I disagree with that. I dis- I disagree that you explaining what your intentions behind your art were and what you wanted it to mean um, doesn't shouldn't destroy it for anyone else. People can still get their meaning from it. I'm not saying it destroys it. it. I'm saying that it just... It, That's it, guys. The Matrix is over. I'm just saying that it makes uh, independent interpretation more difficult because now you're... Uh, Again, you're I, don't, a, I don't think so. I don't think it makes it more difficult. I think you can still have your own interpretation. You can respect the artist's original interpretation and be like, that's what it means to them. This is what it means to me. I think you can still have the two being separate and one doesn't uh, doesn't change the other. Like music does that for me all the time. I actively look up what the artist meant behind writing that song, despite the song having a different meaning for me. It's like, oh, I wonder what it meant for them, looking it up and going, okay, that makes sense, but it doesn't change what it meant for me. Yeah, I guess. You know what Barbie really reminds me of is the Lego movie. Why? Because it's got a similar sort of, uh, it's got a similar sort of plot. It's made by a brand. Well, yeah, it's made by a brand. It's It's ultimately a brand vehicle at the end of the day. It's a brand vehicle, but the plot is like we're in the, the toy world. So it's like, this is the, the, like the toys are alive. This is their world. And, uh, it's being, uh, controlled or altered by like real people on the outside. So in the Lego movie, it's the little, it turns out that it's just the little kid playing and it's his imagination. And Will Ferrell is also there and he's the baddie. Crazy. Yeah, so it's basically the Lego movie. Yeah. It's a little um, bit, yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's, there's like a lot of significant differences. This is a lot more meta than the Lego movie. Um, have but you seen the comparison being drawn to, I think I showed you guys the comparison being drawn to Black Panther. How Barbie is oh, just, just Black meme. Panther for white girls. Uh, the similarities are uncanny. Are they uncanny? Are they yeah. just broad storytelling tropes? I mean, maybe. Maybe it is just broad storytelling tropes, but it feels Someone like. Someone has to go on a journey. But it feels like there are a lot of They're called to actions and then they say no, but then they eventually go. Yeah. At first they don't believe in themselves or the cause, but then they meet someone who does something. <laughs> the way they change as a person is sort of an, an arch, 
an arcing sort of change to it. It comes up and then it comes down and then it returns in a circle. It's like a bridge. Anyway, you it's like wanted- poetry. They sort of rhyme. You wanted to talk about Lizzo. No, before we do that, Ryan Gosling's juiced, right? Uh, I don't think so. You he's reckon? A- no, nah, he's, he's just 42 and he looks like that. Yeah, that's po- that's definitely possible. It's possible. I mean, but- he's been looking like that since he was in his 20s. It's he like- hasn't been looking like that. I don't for, don't forget a lot of that is contoured and airbrushed. Yeah, it's got a fucking eight pack. Yeah, that's contoured and, and airbrushed in. That's makeup. He's, so yeah, that he's, that is absolutely makeup to right. enhance those. There's no way that that is just normal. They, well, that's what I'm saying. So you're saying no, no, that's real. So it's not real. No, no, no. As in like, so he's Natural always as in he's, not juice. Yeah, he's always been quite naturally fit. So if you look, but that's not a natural fucking eight pack. You reckon it's makeup? I reckon what they've done is they've in, like they've um, enhanced isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. It's like when girls contour their cheekbones or their faces in order to bring more attention to it. So I hate it's, contour. It's there ordinarily. Women, it's there, but like new yeah. rule. <laughs> So that you can Bill, see, Bill you can see. There's lots of shading in there. There'd be lots of contour. It'd also be a lot of color grading. He's wearing a lot of bronzer as well. That helps, obviously. Like when you look at bodybuilders, they're obviously getting bronzed up for a reason, and then they're also contouring it. Yeah, there's um, like I just took that. It's very obvious that he's wearing like makeup on his abs to get the, yeah. the right shading. I thought it was just because he's supposed to be a Ken doll. Like that's yeah, the, maybe yeah. That's the whole. Sort of it works point. in canon. One I, of my one of my friends pointed out that she was uh, happy that uh, in the lead up to this movie, a lot of people were questioning if Ryan Gosling was too old or not good looking enough to play this role, and she was satisfied that it was finally a man that was having th- that conversation about them in the lead up to a movie that no one had seen yet. Yeah. I think people do that. Maybe I'm just. I mean, I'm just thinking of people who shit the pants about like whoever plays the joker every 10 years yeah that's different though he can't play the joker yeah but that that yeah that's not the same thing it's that's not, not the same as being like he's not young and good looking enough he's not he's they not young that. or good looking enough to be eye candy on the screen that's fair they did do that with michael keaton though when he played batman there were a bunch of nerds this is before the internet so it was like people outside the theater like before they'd seen it on the news they were Have like they seen adam west do they know what he adam, looks but like that's those were like campy tv shows yeah. this was supposed to be like a serious interpretation of batman oh. and people were like Bruce Wayne is six foot two and he has blue eyes and, and and Michael Keaton has brown eyes. I prefer the sixties campy version. Kill bring, yourself. Bring that back. <laughs> bring the campy dancing meow they, they version. Sh- they should they should reboot that. That'd be funny. They should. I would love an Adam West Batman reboot. You know what would be funny is if RuPaul played Batman. No, that, Ru- that would not RuPaul be funny. RuPaul plays the Joker. I was thinking RuPaul of- would be better as the Riddler. I reckon. Yeah, maybe. I was thinking of a, like, oh, why don't you do, like, an animated version of the 60s? And then I was just like, oh, it'll just be, uh, what's the fucking the bird one? Brave and the Bold. What? Batman Brave and the Bold. No, the fucking the bird show. The cartoon that's just like a ripoff of, uh, or like a parody of, like, uh, animated superheroes. Harvey Birdman. Oh, yeah, Harvey Birdman. Yeah. You've never heard of Harvey ha- Birdman. You've not seen Harvey Birdman? God, you're a shit. Yeah, I agree. Harvey, okay. Harvey Birdman. I've seen this around. I've just never, like, seen it. Yeah. It looks extremely familiar, but I never would have um, 
You're right. It would just be a Harvey Birdman. Because it would be that campy cartoon, but like self-conscious. Yeah. But they, they've done that. They've done Brave and the Bold. That's a campy cartoon Batman. Okay. Well, it's not Adam West, though. And it's not Harvey Birdman, so shut up. Yeah. All right, whatever. Fucking I like, idiot. Um, what I liked about Barbie is that you can, it's, it's funny how people, uh, like, the usual people you would expect to be angry about, like, a feminist film. Uh, missing the, there's, there's some really good, like, if you were an MRA, for example, there's some really good arguments in there that it's a pro-men movie as well. Like, as much as it's critical of patriarchy and men's behavior, it's also, uh, it highlights this, uh, what is it? Um, male invisibility, let's say, of, like, uh, guys who they define themselves by the person that they're with. Like if you haven't got a girlfriend, you're basically worthless. And there's so much wasted energy and stress in competing with other guys for girls that just don't care about you or like you at all in the first place. So like the whole concept of being, you know, you're enough in yourself, I think is a really good message. And I think it's, it's interesting that that, at least in the critiques that I've seen from people, who are, I guess, on the more like manosphere side of the internet, they've completely missed that in favor of yeah the whole what, I am Ken off thing. Yeah, like there's like, an, that's just. But I think that that would have worked better. Maybe they didn't want to focus too much on the male arc on the Ken arc of the Barbie movie. But if they really wanted to tie that bow, then like I said before, not cutting the Kens out of the uh, the vote and actually like convincing them and like communicating with them and them having that change of heart. I, yeah, I disagree. I think Ken was the only one who actually had a satisfying arc. I think everybody else kind of begins and ends the same way. Like Margot Robbie's Barbie stays pretty much the same. She just sort of figures out that she wants to be human at the end, which, which is by the way, that the, the short bitch that transports her, she's like, Oh, I need you to be aware of all the bad shit about being a human. Then proceeds to only show her good things. Yeah. So that Marco Robbie immediately says yes. Yeah. She gets visions of like the joys of being a mother, but not childbirth, which is funny. Yeah. They could have added that in and it would have been like, it could have still been age appropriate. Cause I saw it in like a, I saw it in a crowded movie theater where there were a bunch of mums laughing at the like subtle, adult jokes or like the um like the, the beach off joke that was really funny yeah the way they said beach off yeah so those sorts of jokes they got a laugh out of the ones that were i guess just for the middle-aged women a lot of laughs um in general i recognize i i didn't laugh that much during it but i re- there's it's one of those movies that you recognize as being decently funny. i think the only time that i actually audibly laughed was when they played the rob thomas song I, I, bet, I laugh at stupid shit anyway, so it's like I can watch a movie and be like, yeah, that's decent comedy writing. You I do. Anytime I've been to a film with you, it's like, I don't know, it's like you don't have a soul. Like the you're fact, just sat there and not like the making fact, any yeah, kind, that's of, a, that's how I any watch kind of emotional reaction. It's like what is happening? Are you the, dead inside? I recognize that it's good. I just didn't laugh at it. The fact that I didn't laugh doesn't mean that I didn't think yeah, it was I funny. I usually just sit and watch movies. You guys are weird. Yeah, what? If, I, if, if you can hear me talking about it, I've clearly processed the fucking film. Like, I just don't. If nobody's being called. Before in the theater. If no one's being called gay, I'm, I'm not into it. I don't, I don't laugh. I, I would have enjoyed more late 90s, early 2000s adult contemporary rock 
because they did have that one song that I want to push you around. And I was like, oh, that would be great if that's his whole music taste. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that, and there that was, was a there decent was more part. of that because that was perfect. That's a perfect kind of cringe male thinking they're deep, uh, particularly from like, and it wasn't contemporary as well. Like they didn't go for like a contemporary song. Mm. Yeah. Like it's adult contemporary is in the genre, but it's, you know, however many decades old. Well, now that we've Spe- shifted into music. Speaking of the music. Lizzo. Lizzo made a song. Lizzo uh, did make a song. That's Still being, fat despite dieting. It's what being it, parodied at the moment. What was we, she in the Barbie movie? Did she have a song in that? Was, she was, had a song in it, but I don't think she was the, in it. Be, the Good Morning song or the Wake yeah. Up song yeah. or whatever. I'm going to look up that soundtrack. I heard Tame Impala in there at one point. Really? Yes. Barbie. I love how much they exploded. People would ju- like they were a nothing band and now they're There's like. Just uh, Dua Lipa. Yeah, that's the dance scene, the first dance yeah. scene. That's a I cool didn't song. hear Charlie XCX. Yeah, Billie Eilish, What Was I Made For, where she's like about to become human. Uh, Billie Eilish's uh, music video for that she is really sucks. cute. Are we, when are we as a society going to get over Billie Eilish? You don't like Billie Eilish? Mopey ass. Have you ever liked Billie Dumb Eilish? Ass. No. I've really? Thought, she's mid. I don't I hate like her. her. I think that a lot of people get very angry at her because she's a young, successful woman and that just that's always going to attract people that are looking for reasons to not like someone. But I, I like her. I think her stuff is, is pretty good. It's mid. I think it's mid. Hopefully she gets better. She's very young. If she's already making music of that quality at that age, then you would expect that she'll probably improve, right? Yeah, and right? don't forget a lot of her stuff is written by a brother and produced by a brother, so maybe it's a, a well, bit of that him. case. You know, Phineas. Um, His name I like, is Phineas? That yeah. rocks. Uh, I like um, – so they've obviously got Barbie World that they remixed the Aqua original. Ice Spice and Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Is Ice Spice good? No. Okay. Um. Hey, She's got one song that's kind of fun, Munch, but... Hey, Blondie? People are saying she has Down syndrome. Wow. Okay. It's a weird meme at the moment. Uh, I did hear Carol G in there very briefly. Can you click on it so it says view five more so you can see all yep. the songs? Yeah, Journey to the Real World, Tame Impala. Show more. Oh, God, why isn't it doing that? All right. I'm literally reading them out to you while you talk I know, over me. But I'm looking at the screen here. Hey, Blondie, Dominic Fike. What was the best song? Mm, I'm just Ken by Ryan Gosling. Uh, I liked it. I don't know that it was the best one. I think Dance of the Night is probably that's my fave from the movie. Really? Yeah, that's been playing at work. Maybe I'm indoctrinated, but. Pink, the uh, the Pink Lizzo song is pretty good. I don't know if that's a good standalone song. It worked very well in the context of the movie because it's sort of not quite narrating, but it's it's very paired with the visual of the film. But yeah. I don't know that I would ever just listen to that. But I don't listen to Lizzo anyway, so. Well, why don't we talk about her recent controversy? Because well, I we've... believe you've you've gotten all of your ducks in a row about it. Well, what are we going to talk about in the next in the premium. Oh, are you saving it for the premium? Are I, you are you paywall no protecting? No one listens to the premium. That's not true. We have two one... people listen to the premium. Yeah. And maybe more. You don't know. We'll I see. Mean, we do. But uh, we'll see. We'll see, Dylan. We'll see. I was going to make them uh free anyway, but I don't think anyone visits the Patreon at the moment. But that's fine. Yeah, we can talk about it. 
We can start to talk about it and continue on the rest also because, like, I don't know if we want to talk about Oppenheimer at all, but you haven't seen it, have you, Dill? Bitches know they can't catch me. Beep, beep. Okay. You know Charlie XCX? I do. Um, have you seen Oppenheimer yet? I'm not watching that shit. Who gives a fuck? Fair enough. Another boring-ass Chris Nolan film about some fucking guy. Oh, no, I created a bomb. Who gives a shit? I mean, we in the 21st century Kill do. Yourself. It's uh, it's one of the not about his, yeah about the bomb about the event, but not about the fucking personal arc of the guy who. Fuck him. I mean, he's so closely intertwined with it becoming a reality that it's kind of difficult not to. Like you could do, you could absolutely do the story of it coming to fruition, but it's hard to drive that vehicle without there being someone that the audience can kind of see all of that happening through as the lens into that time. And Oppenheimer is the, is one of the main sort of um, the main sort of board pieces in all of that coming to fruition. So it kind of makes sense that they would make it about him, but the whole film is supposed to be more about like uh, that, that entire sort of time and, and what happened and how it, we are dealing with those things now, like it's a, a, a near and present threat that we are able to wield that kind of power. So yeah, I didn't like that about it. The real threat is me having to watch another Chris Nolan film. I yeah, I was and not a- get so bored that I combust and kill everyone in the theater. I was just like, I don't know. It's it's boring because you know how it's going to end. They're definitely going to make it, and they're definitely going to drop it on Japan. I was maybe this is morbid of me, but I was disappointed that they didn't show the Japanese perspective at all. Like you don't. That's need- not morbid. That makes sense. Like while Ellen was saying that, I was thinking like, well, you could have it from a variety of perspectives, not one that just centers the experience of the guy whose fault it is. Yeah. You don't have to go full barefoot gen in the whole, like, you know, actually showing the drop, but you could show something about the Japanese experience or the Japanese perspective on it. I mean, um, that feels like a, that's a different film. That's the problem is that that is a I different film. film. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Made, I mean uh, if, you wanted to, if, if you wanted to make an audio visual experience in IMAX of the nuclear bomb, I feel like blowing up two cities is probably a lot more, uh, it's a lot more cinematic than just blowing up a bomb in the desert. Arguably it, it's a better story in a way of posing the story, but it's not what Christopher Nolan wrote and what he produced and filmed, what he produced and filmed as a story. Yeah. So like, that's why we're criticizing it. Yeah. I understand that. He didn't do the good thing, but I'm sure there are, well, maybe there aren't, I haven't done any research into it, but I'm sure there are other films probably produced by Japanese cinema about it from their side of things. Oh yeah, for sure. I just, I just dropped one now. Barefoot Jen. Have you seen the like full, there's a, so it was a graphic novel that became a movie and it's like the full scene of them dropping the bomb and like the like what it did to everybody is just horrifying. Also a lot of Hayao Miyazaki's stuff that he does, so Studio Ghibli, most of the things that he directs are incredibly anti-war and he so um House Moving Castle which is originally a novel written by I believe I want to say a British woman. It was adapted by Studio Ghibli into uh, like a, an anime film um, and Hayao Miyazaki directed it and he liked it so much because it meant he could basically just channel his anti-war notions through it. Um, 
yeah, it was like, it's a great film. It's really well done, but it shows it very, um, uh, it very poignantly shows the sort of the horrors and the, 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 te- the, the sort of terrors of, of war and how awful that is and how it affects kind of the everyday average person more than it does, uh, like, the people who are in charge on the nations themselves. It's like, it's the everyday man that suffers. I did like the scene in Oppenheimer where they they were talking about like, where are they going to drop it? And like the one guy, they've got a list of potential cities and the way they rationalize it is, is the way they rationalize dropping a bomb on civilians is that it's technically a military town because the factories that make the boots or the, you know, equipment that will go to the soldiers uh, are in those cities, so the workers there are technically also combatants, which is accurate to the records. Like it's accurate to the records that that are on that um, on that meeting. But also, there's and, a city that they say don't bomb there because my wife and I like to vacation there, yeah, or we had like our just, honeymoon there. Yeah, just the the flippantness of like, ah, oh, we're not going to bomb this one because it's pretty. We've been there and it was very nice. Yeah. Uh, also, I like I'm. Just shout out to Sean on YouTube because he made like a two-hour essay on the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and like breaks down the whole like the fallacy of the whole trolley problem argument for why you should have why they bombed Japan. Like one of the common things is like, you know, oh, they were never gonna surrender. And it's like, yeah, they were. They were beaten. The only thing preventing them from surrendering was that they wanted to keep the emperor. So that the, was it. So the only reason really that America retaliated so hard as it did is that Pearl Harbor happened. Pearl Harbor happened. It brought the Americans into the war and then they decided we're going to get our own back and we're going to get revenge. It wasn't, it wasn't about, you know, they weren't ever going to surrender. Japan was on the precipice of, of surrendering. It was about revenge. They were like, you got us, we're getting you, we're getting you tenfold like what they did at Pearl Harbor does not compare to what happened at Hiroshima and Nagasaki and they were also never planning on bombing Germany as well like that's another myth that gets pushed around a lot is like oh well if they had made the the bomb sooner they would have dropped it on the Nazis and it's like that was never going to be on the table it's it's almost like America takes it to the extreme every time I mean like (sighs) Things like, so 9-11 is horrific and awful and it it was a a terrible, terrible thing that happened to the nation of America and the people there. But. 9-11 rocks. But um, going, like, going and declaring war on. Two countries that had nothing to do with it. Exactly. And causing years of destruction and devastation is is a thousand times worse than what happened to them. And it feels like that's just history repeating itself. That's just America going, you know what? We're going to get revenge and fuck things up even harder. I think that when it comes to 9-11, it's not even about revenge. I mean, that's the way that it was... um, that's the way consent was manufactured to have the average person think that it was a revenge mission, but it, it it wasn't even that. They just wanted to invade Iraq and Afghanistan. Apropos of, I mean, not not nine eleven. Yeah, just rolling up to Iraq like. What if you use that for a a war movie? What if Has you that been done? Do you reckon they play that in the choppers sometimes before they're? Oh yeah, I would do that. Yeah. 
Um, instead of yeah, Ride of the Valkyries is played out. Yeah, yeah. What's you need the, smooth criminal. Yeah, what's, play what's, smooth what's criminal. The one, what's the classic helicopter danger zone? What is it? Danger zone? No. no. I'm think you're thinking of Ride of the Valkyries. No, no. What's the other one? They're, There's Long Tall Sally from uh, Predator. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, then there's there's it's that Vietnam one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's um. Fuck! What is that? Is... I woke up today. Oh, I know. What's the band? Credence Clearwater. Is it Credence? I don't think so. Oh. Somebody, somebody. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna look it up. This is bugging me. Tweet us or Xus or DM us on Instagram. Yeah. APFM official. Let us know what it is. But we'll find it out, but let us know anyway. While you're doing that, I'm going to test this. Okay. Fortunate son. Fortunate Fortunate son. son. You are right. It is Credence. Yeah. There we go. The one and only time you're good at music. Move over, Credence. It's time for Alien Ant Farm. Yeah. All right. What time are we at? Uh... We are at, at we're at an hour, but we started at the sort of seven minute mark. As in, like we started having a proper conversation at the seven minute mark, or yeah, all right. I well, started recording a little bit. All right. Well, look. Is there is, a, is there much else that you want to talk about with Oppenheimer? Not particularly. I think this is kind of a good place to leave it, and then we uh, move into the premium episode right. and maybe talk a bit more about Lizzo and everything that's been happening there. Cool. Alrighty. Well, find us on uh, find us on Patreon. Yeah, there you go. This is as they f- fly over Vietnam, ready to drop Lizzo on them. You know those mashups, those song mashups. They should do a mashup of this and a Lizzo song. Wow, that was very Facebook mom of you. Um, you know those mashups they do? They should do <laughs> just All right. Patreon.com forward slash a podcast for men. Yeah, jump if on you- it. If you subscribe as a Delta Mail, it's just two Australian dollars a month. It means that you get our money means nothing. <laughs> it means that you're just supporting us, which is lovely. Thank you very much. Anything that's beta, alpha, and sigma means that you get access to the premium episodes. So thank you very much. Delta um, Mail. Put two dollars into my ass. Yeah. So thanks for that. Uh, we've moved over to Acast, which also has its own tier stuff. So if you prefer to go through there, you can also do that. But yeah, thanks so much for listening, and hopefully we'll catch you in the premium. Contour your abs, boys. Play us out, Dylan.